And we need to be sensitive to the fact that Mother's Day is difficult for a lot of people. But I hope that today is one of great joy and happiness for you and for your family. I'm sure we all recognize that there are a lot of different lessons that we can learn from mom. These are lessons that influence us in powerful ways. These are lessons that go with us wherever we go and in whatever we do. I came across an article on the internet that detailed some of those lessons that we can learn. I want to share those with you over the next few minutes. Maybe you can relate to some of these. Mothers teach us about religion. I thought this would be a good place for us to start since we're in a worship service together. Mothers teach us about religion by saying things like, you better pray that comes out of the carpet. (laughs) Something that I've heard before, maybe you've heard that too. Mothers teach us about logic, because I said so, that's why. Have you ever asked the question, why? why do we have to do this? Why do we have to go there? Because I said so, that's why. It's enough logic for me. Mothers teach us about maturity. Eat your vegetables, or you'll never grow up. Mothers teach us about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. (laughs) Sounds like some of you have been knocked into the middle of next week. Mothers teach us about consequences. Get off of that or you're going to break your neck. I don't know why we always have to go for breaking your neck. Why couldn't it be like breaking a finger or a wrist or something like that? Uh, But that's that's the consequence. Get off of that or you're going to break your neck. Mothers teach us about contradictions. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. Can't do both of those at the same time. Mother, and I don't know if this is a word or not, but mothers teach us about contortionism. The computer didn't think that this is a word. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? Can't see the dirt on the back of my neck. Mothers teach us about genetics. You're just like your father. It's one that I've heard a couple different times. Mothers teach us, I, I promise these are going to end. M- m- mothers teach us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. And then finally, mothers teach us about the weather. It looked as if a tornado went through your room. And so to, to put all jokes aside for just a second, I, that's an illustration to acknowledge the fact that there's a lot that we can learn from our mothers. Our mother's lessons, the lessons that they teach us, the influence that they contribute into our lives, it shapes us. It molds us for better or for worse. We are who we are today because of the influence the example of our mothers, the lessons that they were willing to teach to us. And so this morning, I want us to look at some lessons that we can learn from a godly mother in the New Testament Scriptures named Eunice. You know who Eunice is? There's actually a hint to who Eunice is up on the screen. Eunice is Timothy's mother in the New Testament. Whether you're a mother or not, I think that there are some powerful lessons that we can learn from her. There are some powerful lessons that we can learn from her life that will not only help us as individuals to better follow Jesus, but these lessons will also help our families to better follow Jesus. Number one, I believe that Eunice teaches us something about a sincere faith. That's from our scripture reading, what we read just a moment ago in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5. When you look at the book of 2 Timothy, Timothy is more than likely in the city of Ephesus ministering to and serving the church that's located there. Paul, on the other hand, is in prison in Rome for the second time. The first time that he was in prison, 
towards the end of the book of Acts in the city of Rome, whenever he wrote the prison epistles, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, he was set free from that imprisonment. You read throughout 2 Timothy, especially you get to 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul knows that his life is about to come to an end. Paul knows that he's going to be executed. So as he realizes that, as he recognizes that his life is about to come to a close, he wants to encourage Timothy. He wants to encourage Timothy to remain faithful, to fulfill his ministry, to do the work of an evangelist, especially as it seems Timothy is struggling with some kind of fear. He's struggling with some kind of timidity. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 3, if you were to look at this verse in context, Paul talks about how he's always thankful for Timothy. He's always praying for Timothy, bringing Timothy's name before the throne of God both day and night. As Paul thought about how thankful he was for Timothy, as Paul constantly, consistently prayed for Timothy, he's reminded of something about Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5, notice that, that Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. That word sincere means genuine. It refers to something that's real as opposed to something that's fake or as opposed to something that's counterfeit. As Paul thought about Timothy, as Paul prayed for Timothy and prayed about Timothy, he was reminded of the sincere, the genuine, the real faith that Timothy had. And we see that faith whenever we study throughout the New Testament Scriptures. We see it when we first come to meet Timothy. In Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, notice in verse 1 that Timothy is identified as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Timothy, 16 years before 2 Timothy was written, was a follower, a student, a pupil of Jesus Christ. How faithful was he as a disciple? Well, verse 2, I think, gives us some insight into that, that he had a good reputation among the brothers who were present in that region. He was such a faithful disciple. He had such a good reputation that notice verse 3 says that Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Paul wanted Timothy to come with him throughout the rest of this missionary journey. This is not Timothy raising his hand and volunteering. This is not Timothy saying, I'll go with you if you want me to. I'll, I'll go with you on this missionary journey. This is Paul, the apostle, hand-selecting Timothy and saying, I want you to accompany me. I want you to come with me on the rest of this missionary journey because you will be useful in the spread of the gospel. From that point forward, they developed a very close relationship. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 17 is repeated in Philippians 2, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. What kind of relationship did they have? It was a father-son type relationship. He says, this is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child. In the Lord. Because they had such a close relationship, Paul sent Timothy to a number of different places, congregations, churches that we read about in the New Testament. He sent him to Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 10. He sent Timothy to Philippi, Philippians 2 and verse 19. He sent Timothy to Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2. He sent Timothy to Ephesus, if we back up to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, that's where Timothy is whenever we read the book of 2 Timothy. And you might ask the question, why is Timothy the one that Paul sends? Why, why is Timothy the one who's going to all of these different places and doing all of these different things? Well, look at how Paul describes Timothy in Philippians 2 and 20. For I have no one like him 
who will be genuinely. What are we saying about Timothy in 2 Timothy 1? We're talking about his sincere, his genuine, his real faith. He says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely, sincerely concerned for your welfare. He says that all of his other companions seek after their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy wasn't that way. Timothy didn't seek after his own interests. He sought after the interests of Jesus Christ. What do you call that? You call that a sincere faith. A faith that's real. A faith that's genuine. But then you look in verse 5, ask the question, where did that faith come from? Where did that faith originate in Timothy? The faith that caused him to do so many different things and to go to so many different places for the Lord. Where did that come from? Look at verse number 5. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Where did Timothy's faith come from? Timothy had a sincere faith because it first dwelt in his grandmother Lois. His grandmother Lois was intentional about passing on her faith to her daughter Eunice. And Eunice did the same thing. Eunice was intentional about passing on her sincere, genuine, real faith to Timothy. If she wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have a Timothy in the Scriptures. We, we wouldn't read about a Timothy. We wouldn't have this book that we're studying out of right now in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 if it was not for his grandmother and for his mother. Timothy had a sincere faith because his mother had a sincere faith first. He had a real and genuine faith. That kind of faith lived in him because it first lived in his mother, Eunice. I believe we can learn something from Eunice about having a sincere faith. What about you? Think about it like this. If you were to go to the bank with some pretty big dollar bills, what are they going to do with those? They even do this at the store sometimes. If you give cash at Walmart, they're, they're going to take the bill and hold it up to the light and intently look at it. Why do they do that? They want to determine whether it's real or whether it's fake. They want to determine whether it's genuine or whether it's counterfeit. When they hold the bill up to the light, they're looking for a little bar that runs from the top of the bill to the bottom of the bill. If they don't see the bar, then they know that the bill's not real. They know that it's fake. They know that it's counterfeit. You hold it up to the light to see whether it's genuine or not. Spiritually speaking, what if somebody were to take your faith and they were to hold it up to the light. What would they see? What would they find? Would they see a faith that's real? A faith that's sincere? A faith that's genuine? Or if they held it up to the light, would they see a faith that's fake, counterfeit, or hypocritical? Sometimes we can get pretty good at pretending, can't we? We can clean ourselves up on the outside. We can clean up the things that we do. We can clean up the things that we say. What about the faith that we place in Jesus? Is it sincere? Is it genuine? Is it real? Or is it fake? Is it something that we're just putting on? Parents, what about you? Moms and dads, what kind of faith are you passing down to your children? You're passing down some kind of faith to your children. We just have to determine what kind it is. 
Are you passing down a faith to your kids that's important until something else comes up? Like recreation or sports or hobbies? Are you passing down a faith to your children that can be turned on and off like a light switch? Are you passing down a faith to your children that's only active at 10.30 on Sunday mornings? Or are you passing down to them a faith that's real? A faith that's genuine? A faith that's going to touch every area of their lives? A faith that's going to affect every decision that they make in everything that they do? I believe that we can learn something from Eunice about having a sincere faith. Number two, I believe that we can learn something from Eunice about having a knowledge of the Scriptures. One thing that we all acknowledge about Timothy is that Timothy was a preacher. Timothy was an evangelist. Timothy was someone who took his knowledge of God's Word, he took his knowledge of God's will, and shared it with those who he came into contact with. And you see that throughout the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. What is he supposed to follow? Follow the pattern of sound words. Timothy is to be involved in teaching that is sound. And what that means is that he's to be involved. He's to propagate teaching that is healthy as opposed to teaching that is unhealthy. You go to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Paul tells Timothy, do your best or be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. How do you present yourself to God as one approved? How do you present yourself as a worker that doesn't need to be ashamed? Paul tells Timothy, you have to rightly handle, you have to rightly divide the word of truth. Then 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 and 2. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. What is Paul pushing Timothy towards? What is he charging him to do in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ? He's charging him to preach. What does he preach? He preaches the Word. Timothy was a preacher. Timothy was an evangelist. And as a result, he was sharing his knowledge of the Scriptures. Referring to the Old Testament Scriptures in that time when we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but also the New Testament Scriptures as he's receiving these letters. Or you look at the book of Philippians, for instance. Timothy was actually involved, you look at the first verse, in writing the book of Philippians. He took his knowledge of the Scriptures and shared it with those who he came into contact with. Now you ask the question, Where did that knowledge of the Scriptures begin? We asked that question just a moment ago. He's constantly preaching and sharing and proclaiming what he knows about the Word of God. Where did it start? Look in 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings or the sacred Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy came to know the Scriptures as a child. It wasn't the Apostle Paul who originally taught Timothy the Scriptures. Even though I'm sure that Timothy learned a lot from the Apostle Paul. It was originally, go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, it was originally his mother who taught him 
the Scriptures, who helped him to become acquainted with the sacred writings, what does that tell us about Eunice? It tells us that she knew the Scriptures. You go back to Acts chapter 16 and verse 1, and we find that Eunice was a Jewish woman who was also a believer. At one time, she was a Jew, so she worshipped the God of the Old Testament. She knew the Old Testament Scriptures. She was well-versed in the Old Testament law. When she converted to Christianity and decided to follow Jesus, her knowledge of God's will continued to grow. It continued to build. She took the knowledge that she had and shared it with her son, Timothy. She couldn't have taught Timothy something that she did not know. She took her knowledge of the Scriptures and helped her son, Timothy, to become acquainted with the sacred writings, which did make him wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I believe that we can learn something from Eunice about having a knowledge of the Scriptures. What about you? Maybe one of the problems that we see in Christianity today is a lack of biblical knowledge. And that's starting here, going on out into our community. There are so many people who are biblically illiterate. They don't know the Word of God. They don't know about the Word of God. You know the only fix for that? I just don't know the Word of God like I should. I'm not acquainted with the Scriptures like I should be. You know the only way to solve that problem? To open up God's Word and spend time reading. To open up God's Word and spend time studying every single day. I'm reminded of a preacher named George Mueller who lived in the 19th century. After reading through the Bible 100 different times from cover to cover, you know what he had to say about this? He said, I look upon it as a lost day when I have not spent time in the Word of God. Based on that quote, how many lost days have you had in the last week? How many lost days have you had in the last month where you didn't spend time in the Word of God? You didn't spend time in the Scriptures? We need to spend time every single day. We need to make time every single day to be in the Scriptures and to build our knowledge of what God has revealed to us in the pages of this book. We spend time every day on our cell phones, don't we? We spend time every day checking emails and sending text messages, getting on social media, whatever that social media might be. We spend time on the computer. We spend time watching television. If we spend time doing all of those things, just looking at a screen, don't you think we could take some of that time and invest it in the Word of God? Growing and building our knowledge of the Scriptures. Parents, what about you? Fathers and mothers, are you being intentional like Eunice was in helping your kids to come to know the Scriptures? I've said it before, I think maybe we need to say it again. It's not the youth minister's responsibility to help your kids to come to know the Word of God, even though I think he does a great job at that. It's not a Bible class teacher or even this church's responsibility to make sure that your children become acquainted with the sacred writings. That's something that God lays at your feet. What we do here is just a supplement to what should already be taking place at home. But you can't teach your kids something you don't already know. Your children need a knowledge of the Word of God. You and I, we all need a knowledge of the Word of God. 
And so let's take a lesson from Eunice and learn about how important it is to have a knowledge of the Scriptures and to pass on that knowledge to the next generation. And then finally, number three, from Eunice, I think we learn about having a willingness to lead when necessary. You look at Timothy's upbringing. You look at Timothy's childhood. You might be asking the question in your mind, where is his father? His his mother taught him to have a sincere faith. His mother is the one who originally taught him to come to know the Scriptures. Where is his father in all of that? Isn't the father, according to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, supposed to be the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church? Isn't the husband, the father, supposed to be the spiritual leader of his household? Isn't it the husband, the father's responsibility to put his foot down and to say, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Everybody else can make their own decision. But I know what I'm going to do. I know what my house is going to do. We are going to be dedicated to the Lord and we're going to have a singular focus on Him. It's the Father's responsibility to be the spiritual leader, the spiritual head of His household. So where's Timothy's father? We mentioned in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 1 that Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But notice in contrast, his father was a Greek. His father, it seems, was not a Christian. He had not made the decision to follow Jesus. He wasn't even a Jew. His father was a Gentile. His father was a pagan. And we see how far that goes and the impact that that has on Timothy's life. When you look at Acts chapter 16 and verse number 3, that when Paul took Timothy to accompany him on the missionary journey, he took Timothy to get him circumcised. That wasn't as a requirement for salvation. It was an expedient so that he could preach the gospel to Jews and the Jews would be willing to receive that message into their hearts and minds. They wouldn't listen to somebody who was uncircumcised. But you go back to Genesis, the 17th chapter, if he has some Jewish heritage, when was he supposed to be circumcised? According to Genesis 17 or Leviticus chapter 12, he was supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day of his life, but he wasn't. Why do you think that was? It was potentially because of his father. It wasn't just that his father didn't believe in Jesus or didn't believe in the God of the Old Testament. He actively opposed bringing those teachings and bringing those requirements into his household, it seems, whenever we look at Acts, the 16th chapter. So Eunice is faced with with a decision. Timothy's father is not going to occupy this role. He's not going to be the spiritual leader of his household. So is Eunice going to step up and lead? Is she going to step up and fulfill that position herself? Or is she going to sit back and allow Timothy to become like his father, to walk in his father's footsteps, to be a Greek, a Gentile, a pagan who doesn't believe in the Lord and doesn't follow in the footsteps of Jesus? You see the decision that she made, and she made the right decision, didn't she? She made the decision to step up and lead when her husband refused to fulfill that position that God required of him. I think we can learn this from Eunice. A willingness to lead when necessary. We we all find application in this point, don't we? We all have the responsibility to lead others closer to Jesus on a daily basis. By what we say, by what we do, 
by the things that we involve ourselves in, by the efforts that we make. You can't force results, but you can make efforts. And by the efforts that we make, we should help people to take steps closer to Jesus every single day that we live. But I think this point finds special application with parents, don't you? Fathers, are you serving as the spiritual leader of your household? You might be here every time the doors are open. You might be here every single Sunday morning. That's not the question that we're asking. Are you fulfilling the position that God has designed for you to lead your wife, to lead your children, to lead your household closer to Jesus? Are you taking up that responsibility to say, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord and we are going to be singularly focused on Him? But then mothers, one problem that I've seen in every congregation that I've ever been a part of is fathers refusing to fulfill that position. Fathers refusing to lead their household spiritually. So you're faced with the same decision as a mother that Eunice was faced with. You have an opportunity here to imitate Eunice and to do exactly what she did. If if your husband's going to lead, then let him lead. If he's going to be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, then allow him to do that and follow his leadership. But if he's not going to do it, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to lead your children closer to Jesus. You have a willingness to step into that role. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed to step in that role. Don't be ashamed or afraid to have a willingness to lead when necessary. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for mothers who have done this. And I'm thankful for mothers who have done this so very well. Maybe before this morning, you hadn't thought too much about Eunice as we see her in the New Testament Scriptures. But I think that there are some powerful ideas that we can learn from her life. We learn about having a sincere and genuine faith. We learn about having a knowledge of the Scriptures. We learn about having a willingness to lead when necessary. Having a willingness to step up when essential. May we all learn these lessons well. May we invite them into our lives and invite them into our hearts so that they can make a difference in the way that we live this week. I'm thankful to be a part of a congregation where I can see people doing these things well. I'm so grateful for that. But maybe you're thinking to yourself this morning, this isn't me. I'm struggling with some of these ideas. I don't have the faith that I should. I don't have the knowledge of the Scriptures that I should. I'm not, I don't have that willingness to step up and lead. Maybe you're not the mother or father that God wants you to be. Maybe your household doesn't look how God wants it to look. Maybe on just an individual level, right now, you're not sold out. You're not on fire for Jesus like you should be. We're here for you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to encourage you if you will make that need known as together we stand and sing. Almost persuaded now to